I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It's coming on! Robbie Robbie Weekly. Hello everyone and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey here as always and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague and dear friend Murray Kinsella of the 42. Murray, how are you? Yeah, doing well, Gav. It's been a crazy, manic, chaotic week, really, but all is good on the, on this end. How are things? Uh, super, thanks. Busier as well. I think most sports desks across the country are fairly stretched at the moment. I, first time ever that the Euros and the Lions have coincided, I'd be guessing, just because obviously the Euros were rescheduled and you've got the Olympics on the horizon, so there were media days for that this week. It's been fairly crazy. Have you ever looked at the comment sections of our YouTube videos, like this podcast on YouTube? No, why? What are they saying? One of the guys um, last week commented saying, "Stop asking the lads how they are. Just get on with the rugby chat." <laughs> well, like it's just polite, basic manners, isn't it? <laughs> I actually, I was, I was feeling that myself. Great comments, great comments. <laughs> was it Barry Barry Jackman? <laughs> no, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah, we we lose about five minutes. Yeah, let's crack on. All right, well, I take it that your grand birch will chat about, uh, well, what you'd expect us to chat about today, Lions, Ireland 20s, and look ahead to Ireland's test with the USA as well at the weekend. But I wanted to start with another little bit of feedback or a request that we got from Brefney Kingdom on Twitter, which was, Murray, to discuss that new Super Cup that has started, uh, or is a going to start I should say uh, between some of the teams from sort of non-traditional rugby areas uh, some exciting looking franchises and the chance for them to have an actual um, hopefully sustainable and exciting competition albeit we probably don't have the full details yet as to where we can watch it and so on. Yeah it is exciting the the Rugby Europe Super Cup uh, grandly named clubs from Georgia, Portugal, Spain, Russia Israel, Belgium and Netherlands I suppose the one that's sticking out there, there who aren't involved is Romania and they came out their union came out with a statement saying they couldn't afford it essentially they didn't have the cash given all the challenges at the moment to actually enter a team into this competition which is a real disappointment particularly given the strong performance their national team had against Argentina just last weekend they pushed Argentina all the way uh, and and the the Pumas needed a, a late try in the last 10 minutes to to win that game so that is disappointing but from the other side of things it's it's exciting for the countries who are involved and it's exciting for rugby to I suppose have this showcase for those nations to to kind of further their causes. Someone like the Netherlands who've now pushed into the Rugby Europe Championship. You saw them playing against Georgia after being promoted. Wonderful to see, I suppose, progress in in rugby nations that aren't really renowned because as we've discussed in this pod before, it's a bit of a it's been a bit of a close shop. Someone like Japan emerging is brilliant for the game and we'd hope there are more uh, more examples of that in the future. So I'm excited to to watch it. as you say we waiting on some of the details I would imagine there'll be an online element to that for people outside of the the competing nations but I'll be interested to see what the standard of play is like bringing the very best of those nations into a club side it could be a really interesting competition and feels like a really positive step for for rugby yeah hopefully it does become available online birch so that a, a kind of more global audience or at least a European audience can tune into it and that was one of the encouraging things I noticed when the announcement was made was that there seemed to be significant interest in how to watch it and it's all well and good for the likes of us or for people who generally uh, or genuinely care about rugby to call for the game to expand into countries where it hasn't quite had a foothold traditionally but uh, ultimately you have to kind of put your money where your mouth is as well 
for want of a better expression and actually pay attention to it when they make this effort to have a competition for these teams. Yeah, and I do think people will, if they can avoid clashing with the big competitions, um, I think rugby fans uh, will watch. I agree with Murray. I was tracking that uh, Romania-Argentina game and I was shocked how close it was. And I still kind of felt at 20 minutes to go Argentina would would pull away. So that's that's one that's downloaded um, um, to, to watch. But yeah, the best thing those countries can do is when they get an opportunity to play a, a higher-ranked team is to is to put in a performance like that. So, you know, the fact they were that competitive is um is is really promising and uh it's yeah, it's it's looking it's looking like they are getting their act together in terms of getting a better competition structure for them to develop. Let's move on to the Lions and I'll start with yourself, Murray. What is it like covering that at the moment on a day like yesterday when you're not even in the touring country yet? Yeah, it's strange, but I think it's just as strange for the people who are over there talking to the guys who are there's four journalists in in South Africa at the moment they were at the stadium not sure whether the game was going ahead same as us back here same as Sky Sports who were broadcasting it Alex Payne's intro was that we're two hours away from kickoff we hope it was a very strange situation so it has been as I mentioned chaotic and we've had the the breaking news from Springboks camp from Georgia camp from Bulls camp and eventually from Lions camp of, of positive COVID cases it's not a major shock I suppose that this is causing disruption it was probably always likely that it would be the case but it certainly has raised some question marks over how things are going to proceed and and what we're going to end up with in terms of a test series like imagine this chaos in the week of the the first test the box with 12 positive cases some of their key guys in isolation as well as close contacts Um, and the Lions obviously only had one player but another eight were close contacts and had to isolate so it, it, it could cause absolute havoc in the test series and it's a maybe an example of what can happen as well as a reminder that even with their bubbles you know these biosecure bubbles avoiding contact with the outside world this delta variant is so transmissible and infectious that it can get in in there as well um so it is concerning that all the rugby squads currently in south africa involved due to be involved in those big fixtures this weekend have COVID in their squads and listen we don't know we don't know what happens next it, it looks like there's going to be a rematch with the sharks this saturday according to reports from from super sport and and sa rugby magazine over in south africa but at the time of speaking the lines are still waiting for their latest test results and they'll be very hopeful that the i suppose the outbreak is confined to those couple of cases yesterday yeah it seems as though that rematch will depend upon some of those players being able to return from self-isolation hopefully today uh, as warren gatlin was saying last night Birch, without asking you to predict the future, like I guess it does feel a little bit um, messy. Is a little bit unfair. Everybody's doing their absolute level best for this tour to go off without a hitch. It was always likely, as Murray says, that uh, cases were going to be a factor. But every now and then, when you hear of twelve box, like it does feel like it's teetering on the brink a little bit to the point that you'd actually doubt um, doubt it possible for a test series to take place unless they can kind of curtail that fairly certain what are your thoughts on the whole thing and i guess if you could get in the heads of players over there as well not necessarily just the players who say found out at short notice they wouldn't be available yesterday but i guess players that are working towards something i mean giving up their summers for this great honor yes but working towards a test series that feels a little bit more uncertain and i guess each individual's inclusion or or involvement also feels a little bit more uncertain when you have this delta variant that is seeping into squads yeah look at um, I think it's very close to being finished. To be honest, I think if it gets any worse, 
they're going to have to make a, a really radical call. Um, the thought of what, having to watch the the Lions against or the Lions British and Irish Lions against the Sharks again um, is demoralising for me. I thought it was horrendous quality. I actually turned it off. It's one of the rare times I turned off an international rugby match to watch a soccer game. Uh, now I, I caught up with the rest of That's it massive. Um, this morning, but like to watch that again three days later. Oh Jesus! Um, but yeah, from a from a from a player point of view. Like these guys spend their whole life trying to stay healthy and stay fit, and you know I'd be shocked if some of them aren't um, deliberating, you know the 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 necessity or the smartness or the um, the strategy to stay. Just honestly, because you know when you hear about long COVID uh, alone, apart from the obviously you know the short term risk, but long COVID and the effect that that's having on on, on people. Um, you know the players must be aware of that, and you know particularly if if the series doesn't get finished, which let's be honest, um, I would say it's probably obviously depends how they get through the next week. But you would imagine if things stayed the way they are, the series mightn't be played or, or finished, and then you're you're risking you know your long term health. I think so. Um, it must be very tough. Look at it; it's an unbelievable honor to to play for the Lions. Obviously, um, Lions South Africa is 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 absolutely huge, but. You know what we've seen so far, and I know it's not the test matches, but what we've seen so far in terms of no crowds, in terms of probably shoddy opposition, um, you know, obviously the health uh, side of it, um, which should be the most important. I'd be shocked if if players aren't starting to question um, how smart it is to stay. You're back down to a three, Bert, are you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm broken. Uh, I, I, they've, they've, and I look at this; no one's fault. It's just, um, yeah. Uh, I, I really would love to look at. I, I would love to see it get some kind of um, progress in terms of pe- both squads being fit and being able to play games. I understand the quality is is something that you can't fix, and the Springboks, in terms of their depth, has been massively affected by how many players are playing abroad. You know, and it's fine to be able to bring them back in the top 21 to play for the box. Um, but w- what we're seeing now is, you know, teams who had a proud history like the Lions and the Sharks, um, they're way off. You know, and look at, the, there's another part to that as well. You know, we've had a full season here in the Northern Hemisphere, whereas, you know, they've only played bits and pieces. So that's obviously held them back a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I'm, I'm very, I'm in a very uncertain how I, how I feel about it. To be honest with you, my good feeling is at the moment, I actually don't really support it. Uh, going ahead, and um, and that's yeah. I wish I felt differently, but that's my honest opinion at the moment. Um, maybe things will change, and, and I'll see. I'll see. There's reasons other than money why everyone's making such an effort to keep it going. Um, but I think it's at a knife edge now in terms of you know how little how how important is player health and not just player player management. The families they're going to have to come back to. Um, you know uh, the South African teams obviously if they're catching it or, or transmitting it in camp in their bubble they're bringing it back to their family so um, that's what's really kind of concerning me at the moment Sorry Murray I interrupted you there a moment ago as well I was just going to add that one of the jarring things from yesterday Ben Calvely the managing director came out before the game on Sky Sports and he revealed that not everyone in the party is, is actually fully vaccinated the Lions travelling touring party which w- was a big surprise given that the information that had been shared was that they they were um and i can only imagine like for the people who aren't fully vaccinated it must be really scary i mean this thing is so transmissible you're seeing the ha- havoc it's it's wreaking in, in south africa um and it seems just 
I don't know, a bit careless to, to go over there without being fully vaccinated. So hopefully they can resolve that very quickly and those people can can stay very safe. Um, th- like for the players who are fully vaccinated, etc., they, from speaking to a few of them, they're, they're of the mindset that they won't be getting ill from this. It's just a, a case of disruption and they've got to adapt. Um, but it doesn't, it just feels a bit weird and a bit wrong that things are going to plow on. And that's the reality. That's what we're seeing now. They're going to just make sure that this plows on all the way to a test series, even if it's as we described earlier with key guys missing and not a genuine test of best against the best. You might have your second string combination in the second row due to to an outbreak or, or whatever, but they they need the cash. And, and that's been really clear in everything they've said over the, the last few days. Jory Roux, the, the SA Rugby CEO, underlined that the, the test series is paramount. Calvary said the same. Um, and obviously SA Rugby are in serious financial strife and that's all that they're thinking about at the moment but I agree with Birch like what's the most important thing here it's the the health and, and well-being of everyone and even people around the, the tour who are going and working at these games working I don't know being around the stadium where Warren Gatlin suggested they may have caught it or, or through their hotel um, and obviously people need to work but there is a there's a bit of a risk element to it as well um so yeah there's a real financial imperative and i can understand that they want to earn as much as they can given the, the challenges there but maybe it's a case where royal roby can help them stay afloat if this thing is is cancelled or or the test series can't go ahead um but at the moment it is it's just a concerning situation to be honest what about yourself murray and work if you don't mind my asking like would you have doubts or uh, would you be hesitant to go over at this point? Because I know it's uh, like a couple of weeks ago, it was sort of tentatively planned that you would. But in relation to your thoughts on the tour overall and what we're speaking about here, not necessarily your own health. I don't think it's fair to ask you about that. But I guess as an overall sort of a package, like would you be reticent now to go? Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to the our, our superiors earlier on about this and, and it is a very different scenario now to even a, a week ago, given that those bubbles who are like the bubbles where they're doing everything in their power not to expose themselves if it's getting in there then it's it's obviously a really tricky scenario and even logistically aside from the health thing even logistically like if you go over and you're covering it but you have to isolate for however many days you're not even going to be at the game so so obviously the the point of being over there is, is reduced again it, it's making everything really tricky and everything you would have hoped that you could do either as a journalist or media or as a rugby squad is completely altered. Like last night was a prime example, one back on the bench, all the plans completely changed. We're, we're obviously waiting to see, as we said today, what the latest is, but I mean, Gatlin didn't know until the very last moment who he had available and who wasn't available. The players themselves were in exactly the same boat, all sitting in their hotel rooms, trying to mentally prepare for a game. It comes to 5.30 PM, still no word on their, their COVID cases. And in fairness, they deserve a bit of respect for, coming late to the stadium delayed warm-up getting their heads right and, and doing the job as expected as Birch said the opposition wasn't particularly strong it's again a shame that they can't have their box players back from spring box camp because they've got an outbreak and they can't risk more players coming and going so the whole thing is not what we would want from a from a line series it's not it at all there's no fans there that's what makes a line series a line series and it's definitely it's definitely hollow at the moment. Like, you know me, I, I'm, I'll i be delighted if it rolls on and we get the test series. I think they would be savage encounters, but they wouldn't be, well, they wouldn't be what they should have been, if I, if I can say it that way. Will I ask you a couple of questions about the test series that have come from the members or is it hollow to the point that you don't want to talk about it anymore, Mer? I'll chat, Roby. Okay. Michael <laughs> Halpenny 
Michael Halpenny, who incidentally asked one of the two best questions on our live event, live Zoom event, the three of us last Friday, was it? Uh, has another one here. So assuming the tests do go ahead, is it likely that Henderson and Atoje could be paired in the second row or are they competing for the same place? I'll stick with yourself there, Mark, because I'm, I'm kind of afraid to ask Bernard about the lines again. <laughs> I actually think they could pair up. Yeah, I do. I think obviously with Alan Wynne Jones' injury, it, it obviously furthers Ian Henderson's prospects of doing that. You saw in the Japan game, he switched over onto the tight head side of the scrum and, and filled that role that, that Jones generally does. Both of them call their lineouts uh, Henderson for Ireland when he plays Itoje for England. So you'd have to make a decision there. But I think there's plenty to like about that as a as a complementary pairing. Henderson maybe hasn't always been seen as a big scrummaging lock. James Ryan has done that job at Tighthead when he's played with Henderson and Dev Toner before him. But there's no doubt about his power and there's no doubt about his form. And one of the things I want to stress here is his form for Ireland and Ulster. Like, there's a lot of judgments being made on good performances against the Sigma Lions and the Sharks over the last couple of weeks, which I think is a it's a it's a bit ludicrous. The Japan game, absolutely, that was a proper test. Like, they were a good side, but I don't think having a few good moments against the, the Sigma Lions is going to decide that you should start a test. Henderson's form has been longer term than that. He was outstanding during the Six Nations. I actually think it was his best championship for Ireland ever and, and probably saw him fulfil all that potential he's always had so for me he's looking really good for, for a, a test spot and I think it could work with Itoje maybe Birch can give a bit more technical insight on, on why that might not be the case but it makes sense to me No I think it makes sense I think um, uh, I spoke to someone who's worked with him as a scrum coach said absolutely no problem being a tight head lock um, at, at scrum time uh, he has really developed his line of calling um, I think he's that ball carrier. He's got subtle footwork and he's got power in the in the collision, and and that's the reality of it. I, I know Friday night we sp- I showed a few clips around how we have to get get around you know uh, that Bach defence, which is obviously very narrow and very aggressive. But realistically, you need people who can get you those couple of yards up the middle as well, or else it's going to be very difficult. And uh, I think Henderson can of the other locks. I think he's the best uh, ball carrier, um, and I, yeah, I. I Think he's in pole position. Obviously, leadership, leadership uh, credentials is recognised by Gatlin making him captain last night. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd be more shocked if he isn't um, a starting line with Toji than if he uh, if he uh, if he was. Another question here from a person whose name in the WhatsApp group is just a sequence of numbers, but I'll read it out. It's a good question, and I'll stick with yourself, Bert. So, how much will it be form versus proven? Or sorry, he's wondering or she. Uh, they are wondering how much form versus proven performer plays a part. This is going to be a curtailed tour to a significant extent, it would appear. The likes of Van der Merwe are getting opportunities he may not have expected owing to circumstances beyond anyone's control, while Anthony Watson, who had a cracking season and is a proven Lions test player, has 15 minutes of game time after four rounds, brackets accounting for the cancelled game this weekend. Will Gatlin's hand be forced to an extent in the back line? They now have only two games left before the test series, or, or potentially three, I guess, now. And I assume one of those will be a dry run featuring the planned test lineup. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think someone could be very unlucky um, if they were a close contact and ended up missing two games and not getting their, their opportunity. Um, and you know, But Gatlin definitely will take into account the quality of the opposition as well. So I think proven past British and Irish lines, test form, you know, being able to perform in 
against the best teams in the world in 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 uh, a rugby world cup and then glimpses during the year i mean i think he'll he'll back the saracens crew to to step up if if they need to um and obviously you know he's not judging them on their England form or or their championship stuff but they have credit in the bank and, and that's why it's going to be fascinating i i don't think there'll be many bolters i think you know um this new schedule or um the the uncertainty around it will make it more likely that Gatland will will start a first test with very much uh, uh, as close as possible to what he would have said a month ago, you know, before they got together. I, I just think that's more likely. And it's going to be harder for the bolter, you know. Um, uh, and look, obviously someone could, if someone doesn't get to play at all uh, for between now and the first test or second test, like there's a chance in my mind that after if they play Saturday that they may uh, decide to just go and, uh, and go into isolation in Cape Town, and and the next match could be the could be the first test. I could see that happening too, and the box the same, uh, and just try and get those three test matches played. I mean, I'd say everything is up for for review at the moment. I'm sure, like it, it's incredibly difficult for everyone involved in it. Absolutely, I don't think it's an easy decision to say, oh look, we're we're, we're packing up, going home. Um, and I, I just I think uh, you know to save it, that may be the even though it's not ideal. But that might be the the next step if if numbers aren't contained, um, that they play Saturday and and then they they basically lock it down until test games. I know you were working in RT for the twenties, Bert. So I'll bring you back in on that in a moment. But just to get your own thoughts for the first time on this pod, at least, Murray, uh, I'd say at halftime, three of us were chatting briefly, and even early doors, um, it looked a little bit dodgy. My own interpretation of it was. I mean, ultimately wrong as it turned out, but that maybe just with that England defeat and the unlikelihood that you can win a championship, you're just not quite at full intensity, if you like, and they were kind of falling off tackles and just didn't quite seem themselves based on what we'd seen to them so far in the tournament. But they turned it around. They turned it on its head and got the job done um, really impressively in that second half. So how did they go about it? Yeah, it was really impressive. Some good coaching at halftime, I think, from Richie Murphy and co. They deserve credit there. But also the players who took ownership for it and and got a bit of a grip on the control of the game and probably limited Italy's ability to strike with that stunning attack at times in the first half off Irish errors, giving them easy access into the game. I mean, one of them comes off a a blockdown kick. They got opportunities from that. Some looseness from Ireland with, with ball in hand and probably not controlling... The territory in the way they wanted to we saw how clinical you mentioned at halftime Bert, how clinical they were when they got into the 22 um and even at the start of the second half you saw them kind of march in there Carl ford who came off the bench directed things really well i thought and, and had some nice variety to attack as as alex kendall and just grabbed it all by the scruff of the neck yet again he's just been outstanding even in a team full of lots of prospects over the last few weeks and i think it's a really important experience for a young team particularly given all the changes that they've made and the fact that it probably wasn't their strongest frontline team on paper loads of other guys in the squad got an opportunity some went well some didn't but they managed to rally and, and bounce back the likes of Sam Illo really just dominating in, in a few of his carries being really mobile and aggressive around the pitch showing some nice skill level as well I thought it was all really encouraging and, and they finished right over the top in Italy once they were starved of those maybe easier into the game just didn't look as, as threatening as at all at all at the same time it's it's worth reiterating that they are a good team and, and this is a really impressive victory from Ireland possibly for me 
the most impressive of the lot so far, given the, the circumstances that you mentioned there, trailing at halftime and, and things not looking good for them. To have the, the bounce back effect from, from halftime was, was really impressive. Who caught your eye yesterday, Birch, outside of Kendellen, who was biblical superhuman? Yeah, I, I thought um, I thought to be able to bring on um, Ford and Moxham, um, just give them some direction. I, I thought Alex Soroka, uh, Soroka was was excellent again. He's just really busy. He's their key lineout man um, in every game, um, and I, I, I think there's a lot about him. I'm not sure where he. I think he's gonna have to be a six to be honest, long term. But um, he, you know, he played. He played second row already and I remember in this competition I remember seeing him play second row in school he's very good there um, there's there's probably their attack isn't kind of as fluid as you would like but yet there's a lot of good individual stuff within that and I think I, I do agree with Murray I, I think this Italian team um, are, are very decent uh, I would probably say if I was um, Kieran Crowley or Andy Farrell I prefer to be Kieran Crowley in terms of the likelihood of you know quite a few of those Italians coming through now. Some of that's down to the quality we have ahead of them as well. But I do think it's a it's a very good crop for Italy. And there's there's five or six players in that team that we'll see next year playing in the in the URC and potentially can help Italy um, kind of start to catch up with with the with the rest. Um, from a from a, an Irish point of view, I thought in fairness to Boyle, Lochnan. Um, and Sam Elo, when they got together in the second half, they just stopped that scrum being uh, the Achilles heel. Uh, now, there wasn't a huge amount of scrums, but the couple that they needed to get uh, get the ball in and out or not give away a penalty on, they managed that. So I thought that was impressive. And I just think, look, at the game against England was unbelievably physical. Um, Richie had kept... He'd gone his first choice 15, I would say, as pretty pretty much for the first three games, which again made sense because... Um, they needed to get up and running. They needed to get match fitness combinations. And this was the game that he'd identified to to rotate. And I don't think that was in any way down to not respecting Italy. I know he knew Italy were a good side, but it was just the way it fell. And uh, it was hard for those guys then to come in in the first half and you know be up to, to match speed. And then you had guys like Cadell and Sirocco, etc., who were backing up, you know, after a very physical game against England. So I can completely understand, but I love, as, as Murray said, how at halftime uh, they took on board the messages from the coaches and, you know, they found a way to, to kind of stop Italy as well. They, they stopped Italy much better in the second half. And then, again, they just proved to be very clinical, close in. They're very patient. Doak is a good goal kicker. Um, yeah, and, you know, they, they, they managed it out pretty comfortably. I, I felt the last 20 minutes, I didn't really think Ireland were going to lose. So that'll be huge for them. And but they've still got, you know, um, France obviously is going to be a tough game. Um, and I think France and Italy are very much at the same level. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if we can finish with a win. I don't think we'll win at England. I don't see England losing. Um, but if we could win four out of five, it'd be a, a very decent competition for us. Threes were saying yesterday as well, Murray, how great it is just to see Italy playing so well at that level. And I think part of me in the back of my mind when they had the ball was willing them on. Like, I obviously wanted Ireland to win the game, but you're sort of thinking of the bigger picture and uh, reality in which Italy have more players who aren't just accustomed to losing at international level all the time, rather that they feel they can compete. They know they can compete with players in their peer group. And if you have some of those players coming through 
bleeding into Kieran Crowley's senior squad, surely it is better then for the health of uh, the Italy senior squad in the long term. So I guess my question is, can we take from this Italian 20 squad and maybe the underage structures there generally that there will be an upturn in the future or have we been fooled before? No, I think it is a trend now, maybe the last three years, but it takes a while to convert that into senior Six Nations quality and competitiveness, doesn't it? you got to go through the process with, with Benetton and Zebra. Obviously, there's a chance to fast track there given there's probably not as much quality ahead of them, um, but it requires a little bit of patience probably. You, you're already seeing in the national team, like Garbisi, the Paolo Garbisi, the out half, was playing under 20s rugby very recently. His brother's now on this under 20s team. It looks like a great prospect. So you'd imagine in four or five years' time, the two of them could be playing for Italy at senior level. Um, and there's a number of other guys. Mori, even Federico Mori, who's breaking through with the senior side. Uh, Trula, the fullback. They're guys who literally very recently were playing 20s rugby and now are showing a bit of real potential at senior level without the experience and the nouts probably to be really steering a team to test match wins it takes a, a long time to build that up but it's only positive that that they're showing this genuine competitiveness and potential and not just flash in the pan stuff where they pull off a, a one-off win this team has been really competitive they nearly beat france they hammered scotland they've got smarts about them as well as individual attacking flair and that is really exciting so fingers crossed that benetton can bounce off their their rainbow cup success and be competitive in the in the urc that zebra can improve under michael bradley again and that these young guys coming through have a chance to maybe get some winning experience at club level as well so they're not going into a, a national team just used to losing every game because that's part of it as well they need to have this kind of winning mindset they have now from 20s level and, and carry that carry that right through that's absolutely key birch isn't it the like instilling that mindset and Listen, you've been around enough team environments to know, particularly at underage level as well, or at grassroots level, that, um, you know, you can, it's almost like you can forge a player's personality, if you like, at this level, and that they carry it forward then when they make the step up to senior level. We see it quite often. People talk about the fearlessness of youth in sport sometimes, but often those young players who are taking chances or um, playing without fear are accustomed to winning <laughs> and some of these Italian guys okay they might not win every game in the Six Nations but like they shouldn't have the same hang-ups you know in the coming years when they do make that breakthrough as some of the guys who've been lingering around the senior squad for the last five six years and just losing every game. Hey absolutely and I think that's that's why it's going to be key the environments that they go into to next season Um, you know we, we all hope that the URC is going to be um much more competitive which um will will demand more of these uh, of these young Italians. Uh obviously some of them will go into Benetton's system and, and they're the, the the Northern Rainbow Cup champions. Um but they they have the potential to be very competitive in fairness. Like when, when Treviso are on, um I think they can actually go toe to toe with anybody. We just they had a, a a very surprising dip at the start of of last year's tournament and never really recovered until until the break, um, and I, I think Connor Shea, in fairness, and you know, he realised that it was going to be very difficult to change the mindset or, or the, the belief in the in the players that he had at senior level because they just become accustomed to, to losing pretty much every time they put on an Italian jersey. So they did put a huge focus on, on this generation and um, and obviously the generation to come after them. Now, by all accounts, this is the group that they feel they have. 
the golden generation as such. So, um, you know, they have a nice under-18s group, a nice under-17s, 16s, but this is the one that they do believe can potentially, you know, start to change Italian rugby. And um, they did restructure all their academies. They put the academies back in the in, in, in the in the, the old-fashioned Super 10 clubs. Um, so there's a lot of satellite academies, which obviously give them more access to higher numbers of players, etc. And, and it does look like, you know, it's, it's starting to come true. And, and they have been competitive with Ireland um, and, and the other home nations at under-18s level for the last couple of years. And, and I think they will continue to be so. So, so I think that is a huge... Uh, difference and you know realistically like uh, I am um, frustrated with Italy's lack of progress at senior level um, but uh, I, I, I would like to hope that we will start to see this now particularly with, with Crowley going from um, from Benetton where he, you know he knows Italian rugby now since he's, since he's came over from Canada and he's obviously going in there with a little bit of momentum from, from the win against the Bulls and now this young crop coming through yeah so look at it's not they're not going to get off the bottom of the table quite quickly but um if they can certainly be more competitive and uh maybe get some success on on summer tours and and, and november internationals against the non um you know top five teams well then that'd be progress certainly would speaking of progress at senior level let's chat about andy farrell's men this weekend summary aid on cap players and we know also from the usa that if you uh, completely change your lineup. I think England had twelve, was it last weekend? That they can put it up to you. So should expect a fairly tasty game again this weekend, and not only an opportunity for some of the uh, uncapped players to raise their hands, but some of the guys with only a handful of caps against live opposition rather than a walkover. Absolutely, it's a really exciting Ireland selection. As you say, USA gave England a, probably in the second half a better a better run, and they finished strong. So hopefully it'll be a challenge for, for this Irish team but there's exciting elements to it all over the pitch Balakoon and James Hume in the outside backs that like and every single one of the on players you work through here has really earned their their place Andy Farrell spoke about it last week not like respecting themselves Ireland not just dishing out caps to players who hadn't earned it but you look at Balakoon's form since he's come back from that horrific hamstring injury continuing to be athletic every time he's on the ball continuing to make really good defensive reads and be competitive in the air James Hume has really grasped his opportunity outside centre in Luke Marshall's absence and improved every single time he's played he's got a wicked step he's got a an assertive kind of mindset and he and he wants the ball in his hands then you look to to the pack Nick Timoney who's probably been a bit of a slower burner but in Marcel Coetzee's absence he's absolutely accelerated his progress he's rapid as well and has really worked hard in his jackal skills Tom O'Toole has been around the camp a, a fair bit but now gets his chance at a tight head. And that's really exciting to see for Irish rugby, a new tight head emerging there. Um, and then I suppose you mentioned the guys who have a bit of experience. Gavin Coombs didn't get much of it last weekend, but he gets a start at number eight. Really interesting to see Caelan Doris move to, to accommodate Coombs in his best position. And I just hope that USA make plenty of knock-ons so there's a few scrums for, for Coombs to thunder off uh, and maybe a few five-meter taps as well. Then a, a bunch of uncapped players in the bench as well in Witcherly, Paul Boyle, Blade and, and Harry Byrne. Again, you're you're hoping, as Birch said a couple of weeks ago, you're hoping to see a couple of guys really stamp their authority on this game and show that they can be players for Ireland now moving forward in the next couple of years. It's a wonderful opportunity given the circumstances around lines away and a couple of injuries. Um, and that's opened the door even a bit more for, for a couple of guys. But it's hard not to be excited about what we're going to see on, on Saturday in Dublin. Yeah, I'm hoping Andy Farrell doesn't forget to bring on Caelan Blade. I, I, I think he, <laughs> of all people, 
warrants a cap at this point. I just want him to be an Ireland international and see what he can do. But uh, as Murray was saying there, Birch, just so many, um, like there are so many names to be excited about. If you were, like when you're looking through that squad, who are the handful or fewer that you are most excited to see make their international bows? Yeah, I, I, I've been lucky enough to be up in Ravenhill quite a bit this year for, for Premier. And um, yeah, I really like Hume um, and Balakloon, uh, to be honest. Timoney, I think, is obviously you know a very good player, but it's going to be very difficult for him to to really break through. Um, but he deserves his, his opportunity. And it's a very good back row. I mean, the, the athleticism of, of those three, with Doris and, and Coombs, is is exciting. Um, it's actually a very athletic pack, you know, with, with Baird, O'Toole. I mean, I think O'Toole is, has been earmarked for a while. I mean, he's he was one of those kind of development players who were always added to the squads um, from a long way out. And he has a huge amount of um, mobility and, and power. And as he gets more games, uh, I think his scrummage and prowess w- w- will improve. And this is probably a, a safe bet to, to give him with, with Keller beside him and Kikoyne, um, you know, who are, who are good technicians at, at scrum time. Um, but yeah, I, I just think Balatloon for me um, has something very, very special about him. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see how he goes. I'd love to see him get lots of ball, to be honest. Um, and I'd love to see us, you know, being able to, to hold the ball for for long periods, I think it's great. Joey's getting to play again. I just felt, uh, obviously, with the injury to Farrell and him going to twelve, um, uh, you know, he he played the rest of the game or uh, most of the second half of twelve last week, and and that's fine. But I, I just love to see him at ten in an Irish shirt and um, with Johnny obviously being rested. So it's yeah, I, I like the team. Uh, it's a, it's an exciting team for me, and uh, I'm actually looking enough to be going there. So I'm looking forward to seeing him play. And you mentioned Gav the the. Craig Casey thing a bit of a joke but it is nice for him to get a start now and and get a chance from the off to boss a team like like we know he does and to bring his tempo to bring his passing ability to show he can kick accurately and and defend well on on top of all that he's a very exciting player like even when he came on against Italy for that debut you saw the quality of the service and the tempo he brought the quick taps twice you know, one of them leading to, to Ireland's last try for Keith Earls in the right corner. So he's shown that he can bring some of that stuff that Andy Farrell and his coaches are, are really talking about an awful lot. Speed has been something they've mentioned repeatedly in this kind of window, playing at a higher tempo, constantly stressing defence without giving them three seconds to set again after each phase. And that's definitely something that Casey wants to do. That's his natural game. And it's exciting that he'll definitely be able to play that. At times in Munster, that's a bit of a frustration. He's sometimes maybe playing a game that he isn't completely naturally suited to for, for want of a better word so he can definitely bring tempo to it and, and as Birch mentions with a pack that athletic and a back line full of finishing ability and and athleticism it, it could be a really exciting blend it's important that they've got a bit of like experience is probably the wrong word Hugo Keenan has, has 12 caps but he's already a steady head there for them Stuart McCluskey only has five but obviously he's experienced with Ulster and, and James Ryan 36 caps is a decent number, but he's a younger guy. He's captaining again. So they've kept a bit of that, I suppose, core there. Dave Kilcoyne, another one with plenty of caps. They've kept that kind of core there, guys who've been around the, the squad and, and are now taking on those leadership roles. It was interesting to hear Farrell talk about that last week, like how different a camp is without Johnny Sexton and all the all the others who, who generally speak up. And by all accounts, Keenan and Doris are, are two of the guys now pushing things on. So that's been a, a good development for them in this window as well. Could I ask you about Balakun specifically, Murray? Just because I think he excites a lot of people in that 
he may be the sort of raw athlete that we have lacked without meaning to sound unkind to all of the superb back three players we have at our disposal at international level but I wonder does he have like that extra half a yard of gas that maybe some of them don't we've had conversations in the past about like uh, fast twitch muscle fibre and how Irish people genetically speaking actually don't necessarily have that like we're you know Irish people through the ages have been built more for like endurance maybe ironically <laughs> given our history but like that's why we excel in sports like rowing and so on um and when somebody say like Stephen Ferris comes along who, who definitely had that fast twitch muscle fibre I was talking to him about it recently they're kind of anomalies and Balakun without meaning to big him up too much he may be that type of player for us who can just if we're looking like if Andy Farrell is looking to play at speed and stress defences he's the kind of guy that you have to keep your eye on constantly um and he, like, ostensibly will just burn you. Yeah, you want to get him in positions where he can go one-on-one or, or even one against two, and he, and he can use that pace and that change-up and acceleration. He's robust through contact. You're right, he is athletically superb, but definitely over the last years, like, he was raw, obviously, coming through. He was a late starter in rugby not that long ago, playing junior rugby with Ennis Gillen, um, and has had a really remarkable rise since, but he has polished off any of that rawness for me I think his decision making has been really good and especially around the defensive side of thing it's it's where you expect a winger maybe with his late arrival into the game or or any younger winger really to, to make poor decisions but I think he's been consistently strong in that area and it is also wonderful just that the journey is slightly different that he's come from a different background he was playing with Ennis Gillen he wasn't a superstar mapped out by any means he did a bit of time with the the sevens and then Ulster realized just how much potential he has and I really do look at him again we're, we're not trying to overhype it and, and think there's there's loads more there his attitude towards it all is, is also not a surprise I remember he played for Ulster against Leicester away and he was outstanding and he came in for the interview afterwards and I don't know if he'd done much media and you're thinking okay he'll, he'll probably be really kind of nervous about this or overall by the occasion as some guys maybe are but he kind of just shrugged his shoulders and you know I just got the ball and, and, and ran and scored a try or beat a few defenders it wasn't a big thing for him and that's a great mindset to have because some guys who've been in it all their lives and dreaming of it since they were 12 they do get a bit overawed by the occasion he's a guy who for me just casually takes it in his stride I think they call him the cat up in Ulster um, and just gets on with things and beats defenders so it's a it's a brilliant story and a, and he's got a, a great uh, potential there certainly does what about the states Birch before we wrap like they're always in a bit of a peculiar predicament I think in that they're obviously putting unbelievable effort into having as best a team as possible or as good a team as possible but ultimately it kind of is mostly about the World Cup for them I guess or when they have the opportunities to play tests like this one they gave a great account of themselves last weekend against England but say this United States team or even set up versus some of them that we've seen over the years or how they've progressed over the years what do you make of it? Okay, I think the, the challenge it was really promising to see them you know be competitive against England particularly finish quite strong um, sometimes though the week after, you know, when they've had a decent performance, not just USA, but a lot of those, um, you know, tier two countries, they they can't withstand it. So that that's obviously a bit of concern for for me. Um, in theory, it should be getting better because obviously now they have the MLR. Um, although having said that, you know, I've watched a, a reasonable amount of it. The level isn't um, isn't high enough yet to to produce, you know, quality international players. But at least there's a 
a, a stronger competition structure and I think it will grow and, and it's been done it's been done very prudently so there's le it's less likely of it uh, breaking down financially which is the most important thing there they just need to build a league year on year that's that's getting better in quality um, so yeah and, and I think fitness wise I mean my former head of performance in, in the Dragons Hugh Bevan um, who used to work with vast experience in rugby union but also was with um, England cricket for a long time World Rugby facilitate him working with them and he's been there from a year before the World Cup and I know Gary Gold uh, was instrumental in that there was a big question mark around um, the fitness levels and, and they're putting a huge focus on that and I thought to be fair that was one of the reasons they were able to stay in the game against England so that's um, that's that's promising for sure but like just to give you you know example there's a guy on the bench or was on the bench last weekend against England Plam uh, watching uh, Wuching I'm probably saying it wrong um, you know I would have been following him for quite a while because he was quite a good uh, college footballer and, and a really good athlete he signed for for a federal one club in, in France so uh, and that's not like look at it. he he may go over there and do really well, but that's the that's the challenge they have. They've they've players who are just desperate to get an opportunity um, professionally, and and, that, and that's great. But it's becoming harder for them to get those opportunities in the in the big leagues. So until I think that happens and 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 the MLR continues to improve. Uh, I think it'll be hard for him to, to back it up, to be mm. honest. Just on the US, a quick shout for Luke Carter, who looks like he'll be at 10 again. He did really well last weekend on his test debut, slammed over that 50-metre penalty that people have probably seen, but excellent chop tackling. I don't think he missed a single one against some some big units, some nice passing and, and kicking and play. You even saw the trademark Carty banana kick to touch at, at one stage. Again, talk about journeys. Like He's been on an interesting one. What, just over a year ago, Connacht said, there's no contract there for you. Uh, I was speaking to him this week. He said he was pretty much going to pack in Roby, play for Bucks. He's a great club man and do his masters. And then the the American, uh, I suppose, ancestry, his granny, Joan, is, is was born in New York. That kind of came to light a bit more and, and suddenly he was on the way over to the States and he's done really well in the LA Giltinis and, and there he is playing Tess Roby. And he'll be back in Dublin playing against some guys that he was training with in, in Connacht. I think all his family and friends have tickets. So it's a, it's a wonderful story for him and he's still only 23 and again like you saw what he could do last weekend so it's exciting the the carty genes are, are definitely strong around that kind of footballing ability and and kicking they've got some creative skills and, and no doubt they're very proud of of his journey they're cultured aren't they <laughs> yeah uh, very very cosmopolitan now as well the la guiltinis easy on the teeny we'll leave it there boys murray thanks a mil as always cheers birch thank you thank you and thanks to everybody at home as well. For all of the extra Lions coverage, members.the42.ie. You can become a member of the 42. Tune into all of Murray's extra work that he's putting in throughout the course of this tour. Uh, plus, you get access to all of our other podcasts and offerings as well. Thinking of Gav Cooney's Behind the Lines, uh, the football family, which has been going on while the Euros uh, continue or as they uh, reach their conclusion this weekend. Uh, loads more. Check it out, members.the42.ie. It's €5 Euro for a monthly subscription, five euro a month or 42 euro for the year. Uh, we will be back over the weekend with Murray uh, and back on Monday as well for members with Murray and Owen. Plus next Thursday, three of us back in this regular slot for members and non-members alike. So until one of those days, mind yourselves, enjoy everything over the weekend and take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Robbie, Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh! 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 Oh!